2: Fake out. Fake
4: an exciting day to be broadcasting Jonas with all these playoff spots the last two in the West being decided it um, we're not a scoreboard show typically but I gotta be honest I'm watching the scoreboard today
5: yeah and there's all sorts of stuff that is happening here with this uh, race for the eighth spot in the Western Conference and you can say whatever you want about the bubble and the experiment and what it's like man I've thought the basketball's been outstanding Uh, this race race for the eighth spot and we and look we discussed it I mean how they came to whatever they came to the four and a half games and whatnot uh, a little bizarre didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense but now that we're here it's a four-team race starting to look more like a three-team race with the san antonio spurs being the odd team out but let's go ahead and let's break this down here fez so the memphis grizzlies memphis grizzlies right now are blowing out the milwaukee bucks if memphis wins fez they would be in to the play-in game Right. So if Memphis wins, they get into the play in game.
4: The worst they could be would be the nine. They'd obviously much rather be the eight, but they're certainly in. And I got to tell you, I got accolades to RJ. RJ's out today, but he mentioned from the start motivation the key in playing in the Orlando bubble. And we're seeing that today, I think, more than any other days that we've seen in Orlando. Jonas, I wanted to ask you. Milwaukee Bucks, they're good. They're (laughs) a number 1 seed. They're playing Memphis, who really doesn't belong in the playoffs. What would you have thought that point spread should have been?
5: Oh, God. Okay, so Milwaukee already has everything wrapped up. They're the number one seed. Memphis motivated, needing to win to stay alive. And Milwaukee without Giannis because he turned into a Zinedane Zidane. I think that's is that how you pronounce his name, Fez, That soccer player from France. I mean, I'm going to take you're, your word for I it. I mean, you're, you're a soccer guy, <laughs> so I just figured with, in your list of uh, <laughs> resumes, I thought soccer guy would be it. But uh, we'll call him ZZ uh, when ZZ headbutted uh, Materazzi from Italy in the World Cup. I'm going to go headbutt. I'm going to say. Memphis minus
4: six. Very good. Memphis minus four. But I got to tell you, your line would have been a lot better than what Vegas's line was with Memphis blowing out Milwaukee. And the idea here is that Milwaukee's a good 13 points better than Memphis yet it's Memphis that clearly should be favored and it just shows how important the motivation is yes Giannis is out but Giannis is only worth about six points to the line and if you can handicap who's motivated who's not in these games more often than not you're going to land on the winner
5: okay so the line finished at four correct so Memphis minus four was the was the final line.
4: Yeah, open Memphis, I saw a minus two and a half. Actually, overnights, I think Memphis actually was the underdog. But this morning, I saw Memphis, a small favorite. Pretty much all the money on Memphis in a must-win situation. Now, normally, wise guys don't like to bet on teams in must-win situations because they feel it's overpriced. But I got to tell you, here in the bubble, doesn't it feel like that this motivation is worth so much more than any other time we've seen in sports?
5: Yeah, and and I got to give credit to uh, Nick Wright on uh, First Things First. This morning, I was watching. And I think he pointed out that Memphis's head coach was an assistant for Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee and there was no way Budenholzer was going to empty the chamber on a former assistant he's got a good relationship with if it it meant he was going to get into the postseason and it didn't mean anything to Milwaukee. so There's a little something to that as well. But One of the things that you do, Fez, better than anybody is you're able to predict lines and you're able to talk about early in a week, you'll look at an NFL spread and it's something that, that you're as good at as anybody I've ever heard is as good at anything when it comes to gambling is that you'll identify a line early in the week in the nfl and you'll tell the audience and you'll tell the people listening this is where the line is going to end up so if you really feel strongly about it take it now because the line's going to move in this direction and you were almost perfect uh, a year ago or two seasons ago when we were really doing this one of the things i want to ask you is kind of that but maybe you know reverse engineer it in in the in the case of now that we see how this game is going where would you have had this line? if you were if you were setting the line, if you knew all of this going into it, where would you have had this line as opposed to the minus four that many people got Memphis at that was set by the guys in Vegas?
4: Wow, if I could go into a time machine and go back four hours and they could replay it, you know that's such a difficult question because it's easy to just say, oh, I would have made Memphis minus fifteen, which is you know a crazy adjustment, but clearly minus four was completely wrong. What do you think? Minus 10, maybe? Oh, so you're thinking double digits in the other direction.
5: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean that, and and listen, I, the way the game's playing out, they're up by 19 right now. There's eight minutes and change left in the game. Uh, The way that the game's playing out, that actually makes a lot of sense. Now we mentioned, this is basically a four team race, but looking more and more like a three team race. Um, The Phoenix Suns, they've been the hottest team in the bubble. They're blowing out the Dallas Mavericks. That's also in the fourth quarter right now. So Phoenix needs a little bit of help. Memphis is in the play in game regardless. Phoenix needs to win this game, and it looks like they will, but then they need Portland to lose later on tonight against Brooklyn. Seems like a long shot, but right now as far as odds of Phoenix getting into this play-in series, Fez, where do you have the Suns right now and what are their chances based on what needs to happen in the Brooklyn-Portland
4: game coming up later on? Only about 17%, so a little less than 20%. And that's because Portland is a prohibitive favorite, minus nine and a half. So Portland's going to win that game a little over than 80% of the time. So look at Phoenix, about to go 8 0 straight up, 8 0 against the spread. Clean sheet, run the table in the bubble. And more than likely going to head home after it.
5: And the uh, San Antonio Spurs, they're another team also in this four-team bunch. Uh, we're going to have a preview of the Spurs and the Utah Jazz. That is a televised game. It's coming up at the bottom of the hour. We will have that preview for you in a little over 10 minutes from now, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Steve Fezzik, Jonas knocked straight out of Vegas here uh, on FSR. Now, when it comes to the Portland Trailblazers, Dame Lillard, uh, and, and what do you yell at your house, Fez, when you're watching it's a day- same time. Yeah, you, so you yell that. You sound like the voiceover guy from NBA Jam back in the day. But the Portland Trailblazers are going to be taking on the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to have a preview of that uh, coming up towards the end of the show. But right now, as it stands, Portland feels like they're in the driver's seat. Percentage-wise, odds-wise, where does Portland stack up as far as getting into that play-in series?
4: Yeah, so 83% chance. It's win and be the 8 seed, lose, you're going to go home if you're Portland. So they can't be the 9 anymore. It's the 8 or nothing. So Portland, prohibitive favorite. You know, Jonas, I want to call a little bit of an audible because we're going to break down that San Antonio-Utah game after our next break. But I do want to mention, because you met, you talked about line moves and the like, if you want to bet Utah in that game, I think you should do it right now because San Antonio is about to be eliminated from playoff contention. And because of that, the current line is 7.5 on that game. San Antonio is laying 7.5. That line is based upon a fully motivated Spurs team. And we'll talk much more about this, but you've got to question the Spurs' motivation given what is clearly going to be the finals right now.
5: All right. You want to do a little audible here on the air. All right, Fez. Well, uh, then I raise your audible with an audible of my own. Call your shot right now. Where does, by the time that game tips off, if San Antonio's eliminated, where's that line going to be at? I think it's going to drop to seven. Maybe six and a half. I'll say seven. Seven. So you think it's going to drop just a half point based on the Spurs not being motivated to go out there and compete against Utah and knowing that they're already eliminated?
4: Yes. And the only reason I'm saying it's not going to drop more than that is because Pop is such a professional, and the Spurs had that, I know they'll be disappointed, 22 straight seasons. Making the playoffs, but I can't see the Spurs just you know looking to mail that game in.
5: Um, this is what I wanted to ask you, Steve Fezzik. So we've talked, and and actually I noticed this is something that was done in fantasy football in the NFL a long time ago, and and anybody that plays fantasy football knows this. Most championship games happen in week sixteen. They don't happen in week seventeen. Depending on your league and depending on what you do, it, it could vary. But but by and large, most of them, the championship games. End on week sixteen. And so that's how you decide who wins your fantasy football league. And the reason behind it is because when you get to week seventeen, depending on what teams have already clinched, they may not play their starter. So it would be unfair to somebody playing fantasy football who's relying on, let's say, a Dalvin Cook in in week seventeen when you know they're gonna rest him against the Bears like they did a year ago. Or or another player, insert player X here who's an impact player on a playoff team. Well, It also works the same way when it comes to gambling, correct? Because when you're heading into a week 17, you always try and identify motivation. And you talked about motivation earlier. But when it comes to what we've seen in the NBA since the start of the bubble, it feels like if you were able to identify who's motivated and who's got what to play for, you would have a ton more success than maybe some people have had so far.
4: Oh, no doubt about it. You know, and it's not just betting the sides on these games. If you look at some of the proposition bets, they're putting them up for players. And so if you can identify a player that's going to get limited minutes, we saw that with Zion when he first came back and was on a minutes restriction, and you could play him under 21 points his first game back, etc. You could get some of your best bets that you're going to see all year long on these player props, for teams where they are limiting minutes for guys, whether it be for motivation issues or injury issues.
5: Now, it's it's almost a uh, reversal of fortune here. Steve Fezzik, Jonas knocked straight out of Vegas, in for R.J. Bell uh, on Fox Sports Radio, because we're seeing the Phoenix Suns scrapping for a playoff spot. And Phoenix is n- now about to go, what, 8-0 and 8-0 against the spread, if I'm not mistaken?
4: Yes, and I've upgraded Phoenix three points in my power rating, so they're three points better than where they were just 12 days ago. How is that possible? It's the same team, and this team has just absolutely come together, Booker playing out of his mind, and it's really a shame, frankly, that they're probably not going to make the playoffs.
5: So do you think uh, people uh, within the Phoenix Suns organization are going to sit around and go, you know what? Hey, guys, they're going to call a meeting and say, Devin, great. Great eight-game run. We didn't make the postseason because the Portland Trail Blazers hammered the Brooklyn Nets on national TV just a couple hours after we were done with our game. But don't worry about it because we got upgraded three points in Fez's power rankings. <laughs> do you think? Do you think is that is that the consolation prize that we're talking about here in Phoenix? Do you think that will they will they raise a banner? Because I'm almost positive Phoenix uh, or maybe might have been Sacramento raised a summer league banner. So I'm just wondering if Fez's power rankings banner will be raised to the rafters there at a Dan marley stadium or whatever the hell to call that place
4: well we can look ahead to next year and i'll ask you jones you think phoenix finishes above 500 next year and above average team
5: (sighs) no Mm -hmm. i'll say no yeah i'll say no The western Conference is, is mean man there's a lot of really really good teams i think denver's problems obviously portland uh devin booker's been great but i i would still go with no just based on the competition there in in the entire conference now phoenix played well the number one seeds in the bubble fez before the start of the playoffs did not what are the numbers on the lakers and the bucks since the return of the nba in orlando
4: yeah, not good. Milwaukee, 3-5 and five against the spread. The Lakers, Jonas, 1-7 and seven against the spread. They only cover a couple late free throws to get past the Utah Jazz against the spread. Clearly, here's two teams that knew they were going to be number one seeds coming in, both with approximate six-game leads against the second-place team. It's always easy after the fact, but here's two teams that just coasted and didn't give full effort in the bubble. Good stuff.
2: Right out of
0: Vegas!
2: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed? Do you notice you're losing a little bit of hair? You're shedding a little bit? Well, if you're noticing a little less hair on your head and you're checking your hairline all the time
1: Go to TireRack.com slash sports to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for?
0: That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
5: Steve Fezzik, team number 20, counting down 32 all the way to one, and this is actually the first of a double shot of team previews in the NFL here. We start, though, at number 20 with those LA Chargers of Carson slash San Diego slash StubHub Center. Fezzik, what do you got on the Chargers?
4: Yeah, the Chargers, number one factor. Boy, this team looks good on paper. If you look at the stats last year, you know, the Chargers, they actually outgained their opponent per play by half a yard. Their offense got almost six yards per play. Their defense only gave up five and a half. This was an above average team, and you could fall in love with it if you look at the stats overall for the Chargers. You know what? RJ and I discussed this and why... The Chargers always seem to underperform versus how they should have done in the win-loss record. We feel it's an organizational problem in L.A. Let's listen.
3: How many years in a row would you say the Wise Guys have been saying the Chargers are better than their record? Six or seven. I think it is. So I'm not betting the Chargers any times this year either. And you know what? They go 13-3. and I'm still going to be skeptical. I mean, what's the likely thing it could be? Rivers was at the top of the list. Coaches changed. You know, how many players are really there from before? But maybe it's organizational. And here
4: they were at it again last year, two and nine in close games. How is that even possible?
3: I don't know. Since it happens eight years in a row or whatever, or eight out of seven out of eight years, I'm thinking it's possible. Minus before. 17 in turnovers. Oh, tied yeah, for last in do. the NFL. That's yeah. what Chargers do. Losers lose.
4: You know, some of those close losses were epic close losses. Sometimes we see a team that really didn't have that good of a chance and they lose a game by six. And we say that was, you know, close to a coin flip game. But in Charger cases, the Chargers lose games they should have won. Look at that Tennessee game. Do you remember that, Jonas, where the Chargers got not one, not two, but three touchdowns called back in the final 30 seconds?
5: Yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And if I'm not mistaken, was that Tannehill's first start?
4: I, like uh, why does that sound why does that sound right to me I think you I think you're right and I just yeah. have I'm, and I can't remember who fumbled the game then away on the 1 yard line after the three negated touchdowns it was Melvin Gordon. it was Melvin yeah. Gordon and how about the, the Denver line? game yeah. where they get nailed for pass interference on a Hail Mary yeah and then a, Game-winning field goal for Denver and, of course, threw one away at Detroit. So just across the board, epic close losses. The stats look good for this team. You know what? RJ outlines why the stats don't necessarily tell the truth for some select teams. Let's listen.
3: Could the same organization with, up until this year, the same quarterback – just underperform year after year after year, just like Belichick overperforming. And it could it be random? Yeah, but aren't we far past the 50% mark that it's not random? We know that the math guys don't have everything figured out because how does Belichick do better than his stats almost every year? But the Chargers have underperformed over this span we're talking about, six, seven years. There's things we don't understand about The algorithms where stats lead to our predictions and some in some rare cases, there's so much we don't understand. The teams are just playing wrong. Pats have been wrong to their detriment. Chargers have historically been wrong to their favor. And that's I don't trust them.
4: Yeah, let's look at the against the spread records of these teams. New England since 2001, when they won their first Super Bowl here with Brady 60% against the spread. So here's a team that the Wise Guys have gotten consistently wrong. They look at their stats and say New England is good. But the truth is New England is great. And because of that, the point spreads have not been as high as they should have been when New England's the favorite. The Chargers, the opposite. The Chargers, they look good on paper oftentimes statistically. Jonas, the last six years, if you blindly bet on the Chargers you've cashed only 46% of your tickets.
5: Yeah, and they're a super talented team, and they're a really talented roster, and they've been, I mean, snake bit by injuries the past several years, so much so that you start to wonder, all right, are they snake bit, or as you guys were pointing out, is this just part of an overall issue with the organization? Not to mention, and look, anybody who's ever gone through a, a, a lot of moves or a lot of turmoil, you know what it's like to really get settled and get a lot of things done. It's hard to get stuff done when you're in the middle of a move. How many times have the Chargers moved in the last five, six years? They thought they were done in that dump Qualcomm in San Diego. Uh, they were crying out at the 50-yard line only to be brought back out for another year. Then they leave there. They go to a soccer stadium. They can't get any fans in there. They're outnumbered by Vikings fans and Eagles fans and Packers fans and basically any road team that went in there. They played there for a couple of years with zero home field advantage. And now they're going to be playing again in a big, giant stadium in which they're just the renter. They're not even... It really the owner of the stadium because it's it, nobody's actually thinking, oh, that's the Chargers' new stadium. They're looking at it as first the Rams, then Taylor Swift, and then probably the Chargers fourth or fifth after a couple of other acts that I can't think of right now off the top of my head. Like they, When have they actually had a place to call their own that they can be established? And you can think, oh, it's just a stadium, but I really do think psychologically there is something to not having anything of your own and expecting Good results as an
4: organization when you have no idea where you're going to call home one, one year to the next. It's a great point. You know, one thing I might add if there's one team that's going to benefit from no fans likely in the stands, it's going to be the Chargers because, let's face it, there's no fans for them at home, and half the time you've got the Broncos taking over their stadium or whoever they're playing, and when they go on the road, they have a real road disadvantage because of the crowd noise, so the Chargers probably should be thrilled at the lack of fans likely in the stands. Having said all that and with the great stats, I'm going to lean Chargers over eight wins, but not with my money, Jonas. That is not the official bet on this team.
5: Okay, so what is the uh, what is the best bet? And in fact, I'm feeling like it's going to be a prop bet. You seem like you're into props, and that sounds weird to say over the air to another man. But you seem like you are into props when it comes to the betting market here on this
4: edition of Straight Out of Vegas.
5: So what is your best bet on the Chargers?
4: Austin Eckler going to go over 1,350 rush and receiving yards. And last year, Eckler got over 1,500. And I gotta be honest, I think he's gonna do better this year. And the reason, Melvin Gordon has moved on to Denver. So Melvin Gordon had more rush yards than Eckler, more touches for Eckler this year. Austin Eckler best bet over thirteen hundred and fifty rush and reception yards.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
2: Be sure to catch live editions of straight out of Vegas weekdays at six P.M. Eastern, three PM Pacific.
0: Cavino and Rich here, and whether you're headed to a campus to see some college baseball, meet up with old friends
5: Fez, we just got finished with team number 20 on your NFL countdown and preview. That was the L.A. Chargers. Team number 19 is the Atlanta Falcons.
4: Yeah, Atlanta Falcons number 19 team. And the key factor in the Falcons, what the heck happened halfway through the year last year? Falcons started 1-7, and seven, and then they won six of their final eight games. R.J. Bell outlines
3: what happened to the defense at the midpoint of the year. I don't believe you can handicap the Atlanta Falcons without the answer to this one question. And it's the only question until you get the answer to it that matters. They started one and seven. They finished six and two straight up. The change was in Quinn not calling the defense what they did. I had never seen before multiple defensive play callers based on the situation, based on the down one of them, an offensive coach. What are they going to do this year? And were they able to ascertain why it worked? Yeah, and so the numbers 31
4: points given up during the first half of the year. 18 and a half during the second half of the year. Now, Jonas, the Atlanta Falcons, this was a team you lost a lot of money on last year, right?
5: It's just They're just such a tease, man. And, and, and I kept telling myself, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And it's like that one X who you swear off four or five times, and this time you really mean it, and you're done with it. And then, like two weeks later, you fire off a text when you shouldn't. And next thing you know, you guys are in the back of an Uber heading to a bar somewhere, uh, you know, and, and, and the rest is history. And you get back in the same cycle every single week. For whatever reason, I swore off the Atlanta Falcons and it felt like every single week I kept going back to the window to bet on the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't know if I was just enamored and this look and I'll be honest with you. Today's show is perfect for the 2019 edition of Knox Locks, because I actually had Chargers Falcons in the Super Bowl a year ago, and a year later they're 19, they're 19 and 20 on your 32 to one countdown when it comes to the NFL. That ought to tell you how bad I was at picking games in the NFL last year. I had those two teams in the Super Bowl, and they weren't even close to being Super Bowl contenders. But for whatever reason, Atlanta just seems so appealing. You look at them and you go, man, that's a talented team. Matt Ryan's always had weapons. He's never gone without having weapons. And they've got a, a, what you would think is a, a good structure there. And there's loyalty and there's consistency. And, and, and it feels like they're one of the well-run organizations. And for whatever reason, a year ago, they just looked awful. Matt Ryan looked old at times. He looked bad. And so I just kept finding myself in the same downward spiral of a cycle when it came to the Falcons.
4: And then you gave up on them right when they turned it around. Of course. And I think our, of course. I, I think RJ's on to something here, that Raheem Morris, he got promoted to defensive coordinator. He was actually on the offensive side until the bye last year, and he was one of the guys that came in and started calling plays for the defense. And that was such an improvement. and You could see it in with the attitude of the team, the team chemistry, really came together last year. So I like what Atlanta's doing. You can you mentioned it on offense, there's nothing not to like at receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, but Jonas, I can't go over on the Falcons. And the reason is strength of schedule. And if you ask about the wise guys, one of the biggest factors that the market oftentimes doesn't get right is looking at just how difficult a team's schedule it is and Atlanta has the hardest schedule this year in the NFL. So obviously the division going to be much more difficult with Tampa Bay upgrades, but their field games they got to play Seattle, they got to play Dallas. It's um, just a uh, very difficult situation for them. And because of that, I'm, uh, you know what, I got to do a lean one way or another, and because of the defensive improvement, and I do think that that's going to carry over, and I think the last eight games were more indicative of Atlanta than the first eight games, I'm going to just lean to Atlanta over 7.5, but that's not my best bet.
5: Uh, Let me just ask you this real quick, and I know you've also got a best bet and a prop bet, and I know we need to get to break here, but I want to ask you this, just thinking-wise, when it comes to trying to predict a season for a team we talk about strength of schedule well we see in the NFL all the time that the teams that were in playoff spots a year ago oftentimes it's very rare that you'll see uh, at least multiple teams go back to the postseason the next year you always see that a team takes a step back so how do we know that cuz my thinking has always been this i don't know whether or not a team is going to be good so to judge strength of schedule based on a year ago to me doesn't really make sense what i judge it on is what quarterbacks is that team going to be playing each week that's what we know the teams with the best quarterbacks are generally the best teams in the in the league every single year so with that being said what do you make of the nfc south brady breeze Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade in Carolina for sure. That would feel like also another reason to maybe be a little bit skeptical on the Atlanta Falcons.
4: Yeah, and the quarterback's just a byproduct of a team's power rating, so you bring up a great point. If you play Tampa Bay twice, I don't care Tampa Bay only won seven games last year. That's not their strength of schedule. They're supposed to win 9.5 to 10 games this year, so that's how I evaluate a strength of schedule going forward in 2020 based upon how many games are your opponents supposed to win, not what they won last year. And what is your best bet on the Atlanta Falcons, Fez? Alright, we're going girly, under 825 rush yards, trend. Line here, Jonas. Todd Gurley was a really good running back and he just fell off the cliff because of health problems. If you look at his yardage last year, 857. He should be able to get 825 with a new contract in Atlanta. However, The trend line: He got 1,300 in 2017, 1,250 in 2018, and really fell off last year. His yards per rush fell off. I don't know. I don't understand why Atlanta thinks Gurley's going to be healthy and be effective for them. I think he's going to be ineffective. I'm going under 825
0: rush yards, Todd Gurley.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation.
2: Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Any college baseball fans out
0: there, if you're traveling to see your team and need a place to stay, two words for you, graduate hotels.
1: We stayed at the Nashville location for the SEC tournament. It was awesome. Beautiful rooms, cool vibe, and perfect location.